have been having a good old time uh, talking about, what have we been talking about? Holy, right? Holiness. Haven't told you guys what holiness is yet. I'm sorry. I know. Uh, we tried bringing it up in the men's group, and nobody wanted to give me kind of like what it was. They were nervous that they were going to have the wrong answer, but <laughs> they should have taken a shot. Um, but the last few weeks, we've been digging up fossil scriptures, right? And we decided that some verses isolated can sound a lot like we're not holy and that we need to become holy. To be holy or not to be holy, that's kind of been the theme, the question, the ice age old question that we've been asking. And we went through some different things. The first week talked about, uh, you know, there's the Holy Bible, right? You remember this? There's the Holy Scripture. There's the Holy Spirit. There's a Holy God. There's Holy Water. There's even the thing called the Holy Moly. And I got some recommendations this series, right, of different holy things that I, that I forgot. Um, there was a Holy Cow. I missed out on the Holy Cow. There was a Holy War. I should have said Holy War. And then somebody else said Holy Guacamole. All right. So I got it in the memory bank. We'll do that next time. Um, but uh, what's, what we've been doing the last couple weeks is defining what holiness is not. We said holiness has nothing to do with us sinning or not sinning. And just, I don't know, if, if any of you, if I didn't give you enough scripture, um, if you're still a little unsure, let me give you a few more scriptures that have to do with us being holy. Hebrews 10.10, it says, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Acts 26, 18, it says they may that, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Hebrews 10, 14, it says, and by his one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. And then there was one more scripture, 1 Corinthians 1, 2. It says, for you have been made pure, set apart in the anointed one, Jesus, and God has invited you to be his devoted and holy people. And not only you, but everyone everywhere who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and ours also. So that's just a few scriptures that maybe we didn't go over last week, but I just kind of wanted to keep them out there for you. Um, but we all, we're all noticing that these scriptures are past tense. Does everybody notice that? It says that we were washed, we were sanctified, we were made holy. And if we were, like I said last week, then we are, or as the old hillbilly says, then we is. You have been made holy once and for all. And I want you to know living a holy life should never be defined as living without sin. But it has, right? Have you guys noticed that? Like holiness has been defined as living without sin for a lot of years and, and a lot of churches. And there's still a lot of believers that do believe that we have to earn this whole thing. We have to become holy. We have to be more like him. And in order to be more like him, we have to become more holy. That we're not holy. holy that that's something that we're working towards. And the question I have for us is how did we end up here? How did we end up here? Like as a society, as a church? Um, how does America uh, think that, that someday we'll be holy? We don't really know when. We don't know what percentage we're at. But maybe when we die, maybe we'll know. Um, so uh, New World Encyclopedia, I don't know if uh, I don't read it on the weekends, but uh, I looked it up. New World Encyclopedia, it says most of our beliefs today come from the Protestant Reformation. Right? Martin Luther believed in something called practical holiness. Holy actions would spring up more as we focus on a relationship with Christ. Then there's John Calvin. Anybody know who John Calvin is? 
um, also believed in practical holiness, so it's very similar. He believed that all unholy actions would result in suffering. Then there was uh, John, the old John Wesley boy, right? Everybody knows John Wesley. Uh, I, I grew up Methodist. He was the found, founder of the Methodist movement. Um, but he believed in scriptural holiness. It is love, purity, and being set apart, keeping the rules, and total commitment. Now, I will tell you, I felt kind of dumb uh, this week. I know you're like, well, that's obvious. But I felt kind of dumb <laughs> this week, um, and it's a little promo for Clark's book. Anybody read Clark's book in here? Um, if you have not, I would recommend it. Uh, my wife, uh, Wednesday, said, you want to, like, go read your book that Pastor Clark wrote. And I was like, you know, kind of just see if I'm missing anything about sanctification or holiness. And so I read it, right? Like, well, at first I opened up the book. I'm at the coffee shop, and I'm, I'm reading. And all of a sudden, um, I start reading the first chapter, which is the Grace Reformation chapter, okay? And I will let you know, he literally laid out Martin, Martin Luther, John Calvin, and all these different things about why we arrived where we arrived. So, um, I, you know, if you want to learn more about sanctification and holiness, go ahead and pick up Clark's book because I don't know if I'll ever arrive where he got it. And I just tapped into that, but man, I felt like a real dummy, pre like learning this thing. And then now I, I'm reading Clark's book. I'm like, oh, he had it in there for like, I don't know, 10 years. Cool. All right. So that's me. Um, but how many of you have heard any of the recent research about dinosaurs, right? And how dinosaurs may actually look a little different than um, we think they have. And actually, I, I believe that right now the scientists and paleontologists are pretty divided. I think it's almost a split down the middle about where they land, about what some of these dinosaurs look like. Did you guys know this? Um, dinosaurs, they're saying, don't necessarily have scales, but they have feathers, did anybody know this? Um, they look, they compare them to like birds, peacocks, ostriches. Um, I'll, I'll give you a, an example, and this isn't a joke, but here's the T-Rex with feathers, okay? He kind of looks like a baby uh, T-Rex, like he just came out of the egg. He doesn't look quite as intimidating as um, you would think of the T-Rex. There's also the raptor. You guys remember the scary raptor? The raptor looks like this, Okay? And he's got a little poofy tail on the end. I, you know, like, I mean, a poof tail just isn't that scary of a dinosaur for some reason. I don't know. It looks like a poodle. Um, uh, and it's sad because even if we had, like, the Jurassic Park collection, like, you've got it up on your wall, and you're like, man, this, I got the entire collection. I have good news, bad news. It's probably authentic right now. It's probably more authentic but they're going to probably start teaching in some of the schools that dinosaurs have feathers, okay? So kind of sad. You might have to toss the dinosaurs with the scales out. Um, I know some of you guys are just mind blown about the scales. But it's sad that the entire Jurassic Park collection has feathers. Truth is, some of those dinosaurs have nothing to do with scales. Some of the dinosaurs that we know and love may have nothing to do with scales. In that same way... If you had had thinking that being holy was a direct result of you not sinning, then I have good news for you. Your thinking has been wrong. Your thinking has been wrong. Past tense. The truth is, there is only one person that is the cause of us being holy, and that is Jesus Christ. And if we are in him, then we are holy. I'll say that again. If we are in him, then we are holiness. Holiness was around long before sin, and if we limit us being holy to the absence of sin, then we are limiting God. God's holiness is far greater than the absence of sin and was around long before sin existed. 
So what is holiness, right? I've been asking this question. I'm sorry that I'm, I'm teasing everybody. But what is holiness? Are you guys ready to find out what holiness is? I know I am, so I can stop asking you that question. The English word holy dates back to at least the 11th century with the Old English word halig, an adjective derived from hal, um, which actually means, the word holy actually means whole. Okay, it actually means wholeness. The word whole, which was used to mean uninjured, sound, healthy, entire, and complete. Some of you might need a reference. If you need to look up reference, there's the Ox Oxford English Dictionary, which says, um, holy in the Old English is hall or free from injury or whole or hal, because um, I talk that language. Re Webster's word histories is also in Old English, halig or whole or healthy. Um, this word holy in its modern form, right, if you um, wanted to look it up, it's in the Wyclef Bible in 1382, okay, that talks about uh, how this word translated actually means whole or complete or entire, okay? Um, Everything, you might say, like, well, how does that affect us, Matt? I don't understand what's the big deal. Like, why, why does that affect us? Like, why do we need to look at anything different here? I want you to know it changes everything. Like, it really does. When you can look at that word holy as whole, it changes everything. It's kind of like, um, anybody like going fishing in here? Anybody? I mean, it's okay. We're on Father's Day. All the fishermen are probably out fishing right now, so I don't know. That's maybe what's happening. Um, but I like going fishing up uh, in Canada. Um, my my in-laws, we like going every every year. It's kind of slowed down since COVID and all that kind of stuff. We can't get over the border. But uh, we used to go every year, and we used to go up to Ontario where there are king salmon. And we used to go to this little um, area. The name of the little area is called Little Rapids. Um, and there are king salmon everywhere. It's beautiful. Like, I'm talking, so you got your waders on, and, you know, it's, going, it's only, like, yay high with the water, and there's beautiful rocks, and leaves are all changing. It's in the fall, and it's beautiful, okay? And so I, it's my first time going with them on this specific trip, and I remember we're fishing, and nobody's catching anything, okay? We're not catching a thing. First day, uh, it's like, well, this is a waste. You know, we're using words. The fish aren't biting, and you can't snag. I don't know if you know what snagging a fish is, but you can't snag it. You can't grab it on the tail. You can't uh, just reel it in. It has to actually bite the fish, okay? And so um, we're, we're there, um, and they, they actually see a big mammoth of a fish down in the, the pond or in the, in the deeper part, and a couple of the guys start pushing the fish out. They start using their fishing poles because nothing's biting anything, all right? And all of a sudden, they yell, and I'm down the way, you know, just fishing away, and they yell, Matt, there's a huge fish coming. And I look over, and there's this fish that's like halfway, like, going, and you can see half of its body. It's that big. It's poking out of the top of the water, and it's coming right at me, okay? And I have my fishing pole, and I'm not sure what to do. I'm like, it is literally barreling to me. So I just do what every fish, good fisherman would do is I pick my foot up, and I just step on it, <laughs> okay? And the water splashes up in my face, and I'm like, I don't know if I got it. I don't know what happened. And I realize once, the once my eyes can see the water, and the fish is it's huge. It's underneath my foot. And I pick it up, and it's like smacking me in the face, right, all the way to the side. And I'm like, I got it, I got it, I got it. And the eggs are pouring into my jacket, and all the guys are cheering. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're standing there like, yeah, right? And uh, we go, you know, I'm thinking this has to be illegal. Like, there's no way that this is... We go to look it up, and there's no rules just right, okay? Um, so we, we keep the fish. I put it in the cooler. 
And what was so funny, like I said, nobody was catching anything. And you start looking around and you start seeing some of the guys like. <laughs> right? They're like, you know, they're catching fish with their hands too. Okay? It was a perspective change. Okay? And the old timers that are like, that ain't the right way to fish, they're all soaking wet from jumping in the water the whole time with me. Okay? Or they're telling me to go grab that fish for them kind of thing. But it was a perspective change. And that's what this whole holiness does is it changes the whole dynamic. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean the same thing. And how it changes the perspective is holy meaning whole gives us a new perspective by saying God is whole. God is whole. Okay, Psalms 99.5, it says God's, trans, God's word translation, it says, highly honor the Lord our God. Bow down at his footstool. He is holy. Okay, to say God is holy is to refer to the wholeness, to the fullness, to the beauty and the abundant life that overflows within the Godhead. Paul Ellis, I love what he said. He said, God lacks nothing. He is unbroken, undamaged, unfallen, completely complete, and entire within himself. He is the indivisible one, holy, self-sufficient, and the picture of perfection. When the angels sing holy is the Lord, they are not admiring him for his rule-keeping or sin avoidance. They are marveling at the transcendent totality of his perfection, okay? Holy, meaning whole, gives us a whole new perspective because, first of all, it says that God is whole. Secondly, it says that we are whole. It says that we are whole, okay? Let's go back to our fossil scripture where it said... Um, 1 Peter 1.16, you remember, you remember this scripture? We've been going through this, this text the whole time. It says, because, and this is um, New American, it says, Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Okay, this is Old Testament Leviticus. He's quoting from it, and he said, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Even if you flip those words around, it's so beautiful. I am holy, therefore you shall be holy. It wasn't a challenge, it was an invitation. Because if we are in him, if we're born again, then we are holy. When we say yes to Jesus, we are saying yes to everything that comes with him. Holiness is not one aspect of God's character. Did y'all know that? It's not one aspect of God's character. It is the whole package in one. 1 Corinthians 6.11, it says, and that, that is... Um, what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Notice, we're washed, we were sanctified, we were justified. These are all past tense statements, okay? And each one is a different thing. You got justification, you got washed, and you have sanctification, but they all happen simultaneously, Okay, when we are saying yes to Jesus, we are saying yes to the whole kit and caboodle. Okay, we are saying to the whole nine yards. We are saying to the whole package. We are saying to the whole shebang, the whole sum total, the whole ball of wax. All right, the whole enchilada. I can't leave that one out. Um, let me see if I can explain it. Um, all right, so we have God here. Can everybody see God? We have God. Well, it's not really God, but it's the package deal, all right? And so most of the time when people are describing God, okay, they kind of, they kind of say, well, like, you know, his righteousness, you know, God is love, his love and joy and holy, 
you know, he's holy, God is holy in his holiness and wisdom and peace. And we got more, we got goodness and grace and faith and healing, right? Most of the time, people can describe God like that. We're all on the same page. But here's what I want to present to you. I want to present to you that God is not, this is not just one aspect of his character. It is the whole deal, okay? It is the whole package. He is a holy God, all right? God, we've said it in some of the scriptures, God is holy. So when we look at him, he's the whole thing wrapped up, all right? And then there's us. Poor little us over here by ourselves, right? We need to be over here by God. All right, and then, you know, you hear people say, like, I want to be like God. Like, I want to be like he is, right? But, man, you get around this holy word, and I don't know, that gets kind of like, woo, you know? Um, but, man, I want to be like God, and then we sing songs. Um, I'm trying to remember how it goes. Uh, it says, oh, um, you know the song, I want to be like you, or I want to be like you? Uh, I want to be a vessel that you can work through. You guys want to sing it with me? Can we do it together? I know. Here we go. Um, it goes, um, help me, guys. <laughs> want to be more like you. It goes, I, I want to be more like you. Right? I, I want to be more like you. You're making me a vessel. No, I want to be a vessel that you can work through. I, I, I want to be more like you. Right? Oh, man, I want to be more like him. Right? Of course we do. But here's the truth is we are like him, okay? It says that we are in God. We are in him. Scripture says that we are in union with him. We can't be any more close to God, okay? And then here's the trippy part is there's another scripture that says that God is in us. Can everybody agree? God is in us, right? So guess what? Guess what? That makes us holy too. It makes us whole. We're in him and, and he's in us. And we can interchange it. And you're like, man, I don't know. I don't know about this, right? But if you can understand, it just means that everything that comes with him is inside of us. All of the Godhead, everything that he is, all of those attributes, they come along with God. Amen? Um, but, I won't say that. Um, when you receive the person of Jesus and what he's done, you have all the wholeness or holiness and the sense of completion. Holy, meaning whole, gives us a new perspective because God is whole. We are whole and we are complete. We are complete. I want to spend just a second on that word complete. Uh, Acts 17, 28, in the NIV, it says, For in him we live and move and have our being, and as some of, you, um, some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Holiness is not about what you do, but it's about where you are, and where you are will affect what you do. Did everybody hear that? Holiness is not about what you do, but, it's, but about where you are, and where you are will affect what you do. Like if you're in him, because people are so concerned, like if you tell people that they're holy, well, like, man, they're going to just go out and do a bunch of bad things, right? Like, oh, my gosh, like you're telling them. But no, because we're in him, we don't want to do those things, right? But if you don't know where you are with God and that you're holy, that will affect what you do too. It, um, I used to have, uh, well, I used, I used to do construction and, and 
I used to mow grass before I moved here, and I worked for myself for a lot of years, and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't pay for insurance. At least I just chose. I'm like, well, I'm just not going to do insurance right now. We can't afford it. Um, so I'm going to be careful about uh, buying insurance. And then what was so interesting is for, I think, probably like eight years I worked for myself, okay, without insurance. And so every time I was at the job site, like, I was super careful. Like, if I climbed up on a ladder, like, yeah, I'm up, like, 30 feet, but let me tell you, I was not going to fall off. I was going to catch the rope on the way down. Um, or if I cut myself, I was like, man, I'm going to butterfly that. We don't need to go to the doctor. We'll figure this out. God, I pray for healing. You know, all the prayers were going on. Does that make sense? Um, and then it was so interesting as we went to go move here to Florida, and I had to fill this thing out saying we were moving, and then the government sent me a letter in the mail saying, we're canceling your insurance. And I was like, I look at my wife, I was like, I had insurance this whole time? <laughs> Do you know the amount of work and effort I did to prevent myself from getting hurt at all? Right? I, I, and I'm not saying I would have, like, tried to cut myself and then go to the hospital, but I at least wouldn't have been as worried about it, right? And that's how this whole holiness thing is. If we don't know that we are holy, it will affect all of our behavior. It will make us think that, man, we've got to figure this out. I've got to work on myself. I am so not holy, right? I am so not holy. Um, but if we believe in Jesus and we are in God and we can never lose our seat, none of this lose your um, or move your feet, lose your seat with God. It says we're seated in heavenly places with him. Now, whenever you read words like holy or sanctified in scripture, replace them with our heavenly language of wholeness and completion. That's why we don't use the word separate when describing holy, because it's very difficult to hear the word separate and not interpret it with don't touch, don't handle, do to be. I have to separate myself to be holy. And I would say we are separate because we are holy. I would agree with that. We are separate because we are holy. If anything can separate us from him, uh, or no, if, anything, if nothing can separate us from him, therefore, um, we can never be separate from being holy. Like Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, right? He said that. We can agree with that. So therefore, his holiness will never leave us. He will always be with us. Once you have the person, you have all things. Holiness means perfection and the sense of completion. Jesus came to make broken people whole. He was inviting us to the life that was his. Okay? He was inviting us to be whole with him. But the only cure for our brokenness is a revelation of a whole and holy God who lacks nothing and who has promised the supply all, to supply all of our needs of his overflowing sufficiency. In him, we lack nothing. It's a perspective change. I'm going to close with this scripture. Acts 10, 15, right? And I know this is Peter. <laughs> I know this is Peter, and God's given him the revelation about eating uh, meat and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it says in verse 15, it says, Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider holy. What God has cleansed, no longer consider holy. And I say that to, to you all and to myself, that what God has cleansed, we can no longer consider unholy. Like if we're in him, we can't consider ourselves unholy anymore. Okay? I love the message. It says, if God says it's okay, it's okay. If God says you're okay, 
you're okay. The Living Bible says, don't contradict God. If he says something is kosher, then, it's, then it is. And I'll let you know, that's where God is with us. He's kosher with us. The Young Living, it says, what, did God, what God did cleanse, thou declare, not thou common. I don't know if anybody's seen uh, Princess Bride in here. I know it's kind of a girly movie. Um, but uh, I love when the king is trying to introduce Buttercup, and he said, you may not find her common now, right? Remember that part? And that's what I'll let you know is you're not common now. You're not. You're different. You're holy. You are a holy person. And when I say that, I mean you're whole. You are whole. Yet we run here and there trying to gain what we already possess and speaking the faithless language of lack and longing. We need to change our vocabulary. We need to start walking in our true identity of holiness and never go back to working to be holy. That's why Paul said, oh, you foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you could start off in the spirit and that you can turn to works? We need to thank him for who he is and what he's done. And whenever you read words like holy or sanctified in scripture, replace them with the heavenly language of wholeness and completion. Just because you have always thought a certain way about something doesn't mean you're right. Did you know that? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm learning that in my old age. Just because you've thought a certain way doesn't mean you're right. And you can be sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. Um, I saw recently there was quite a few people out, um, even people in our congregation that were out in Arizona. We're about to make a trip in a couple weeks out to Arizona to go visit um, one of the, it was actually the church that we helped plan out there with the youth and all that stuff. And uh, so we're really excited about it. But one of the things we're going to take the kids to is to the Grand Canyon. Um, and if you haven't got to see the Grand Canyon, it is amazing. Um, I actually think I have an old picture, right, of the Grand Canyon. And there used to be a time um, back probably before the picture was taken, but um, there was a time when uh, some of the first people that came across the Grand Canyon said, uh, they said, don't go to the Grand Canyon. They said, avoid it at all cost. Like, it's just a big hole, it's a big gap, and you need to stay away from it, right? And then in the 1600s, there were some, uh, you know, some people that wanted to go to the Grand Canyon and they wanted to find the beauty that was there. And when they got there, they found out how gorgeous it was, and they went down the Colorado River and, and um, just went back telling everybody, this is a place that you have to go. And now there's millions of people that go and visit the Grand Canyon every year. Millions. Um, but for years, it was said to be a place um, to, to avoid, right? And then I think I have another, one more uh, pretty picture of the Grand Canyon, possibly... Nope, it's not there. That's okay. You can go back to the Grand Canyon. We'll go back to that one. That's still pretty, even though it's black and white. Um, but I, I, I want you to know, for a long time, I think that God uh, was portrayed as somebody to stay away from. Like, he's holy. We're not. We need to be careful. There's a gap between him and I, right? And because of Jesus, that gap was closed, right? I mean, literally He's in us, and we're in him, I don't know that we can get any closer. I really don't. Um, 
But just because we viewed holiness a certain way doesn't mean it was the right way. We are whole people. We're no longer trying to be holy or whole, a whole people, but we function from a place of being holy forever. I want to give you all a few scriptures just to go with. Um, you can write these down. I didn't put these in your notes um, on the bulletin or anything. But 1 Corinthians 1-2, it says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those complete in Christ Jesus and called to be whole. Uh, Ephesians 4.24, it says, Put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and wholeness. 2 Timothy 1.9, it says, So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord who has saved us and called us to be or to a whole and complete life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And then 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, priesthood, a whole nation, a people belonging to God. And then Romans 6.22 and, and the Amplified, it says, but now since you have been set free from sin and have become the slaves of God, you have your present reward in wholeness and it and its end is eternal life. As you read these words, remind yourself that in Christ you are all of these things. You may not feel like that today, right? You may not feel like a whole person. You may feel very like half today. I know that's a funny word. You, just, you may not feel uh, like a full person because maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've gone through things this week. Maybe this week was a really bad week. But you have to remind yourself that you are whole. Believe it. Jesus gives us a picture of a whole and holy life, unbroken and unstained by sin. Everything Jesus does is prefaced by holiness. His is a holy love, a holy righteousness, a holy joy. Holiness or wholeness is the very definition of an abundant life. Such is the life you already have in him. Just because we have viewed holiness a certain way doesn't mean it's the right way. I love uh, 1 John 3. It says that what love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Uh, there's other translations that say sons and daughters of God. And, and I, I remember uh, years ago, um, I was like a teenager, and, you know, I didn't live around my dad as a most of my teenage life. Um, didn't really see my dad. Um, my parents were separated or, or divorced or whatever. And um, so I'm with my mom and I remember uh, eating food in front of her, okay? And she sees me eating food and she's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm eating my food. And she said, well, you, you, why aren't you eating the sides? And I said, I don't want to eat the sides. I want to eat this portion, then I want to eat that side, and then I want to eat that side, okay? I think there's an order to things. Some of you would disagree. <laughs> it's just the way I am. You don't mix everything all together. She would probably disagree, but I don't put things all over the place. My mom's like, stop that. Stop doing that. It reminded her of my dad a little bit, okay? And... Uh, I didn't know my dad, really. I didn't know that that was a habit that he had. I didn't know that that's who he was. I didn't know that he did those things. But it was in my nature. It was who I was. It was a part of me. And what I want you to know is when we know that we're holy, right, when we know that we've been born into the family of God, 
holiness and being a whole person is a part of who we are. We will begin to do things and walk holiness out. That's why Peter, I told you, he wasn't commanding us to be holy. He was saying, we already, ha- we already are. Now let your holiness overflow into other people's lives so that they can see who your God is. And that's my encouragement for you guys this week. And as we close this series up, I want you to know you are a whole people. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what, uh, what the future holds. God is holding you. And he is a whole God and he loves you. He's gonna take care of you. He knows what needs you have even before you ask, right? He saw things coming and he said, don't be afraid. I am a whole God and I'm going to take care of you wholly. I've supplied all your needs. I've supplied all the wholeness that you need. And you can walk and move and live and breathe and everything in me. Stop trying to work things out on your own Walk in him, know who he is. He is our loving father, and, he, and you can trust that. You can trust that. I want you guys to stand. I'm going to pray over everybody. God, we thank you, God, for your mercy and your love, and thank you, God, that you don't hold anything back from us. Just why don't you lift your hands, just receive from him. God, you don't hold anything back from us. If there's a need that you have, just lift your hands, talk to him. Say, God, I I need this. I'm going through this. You know what's funny? He already knows. He knew that it was coming, and he has supplied for that need. He has the right person at the right time, the right thing. You're like, man, I'm at the end here. I don't see any hope. He is the one that supplies the hope. He is the supplier. And God, we trust in you today. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy. It follows us wherever we go. We thank you, God. We're not trying to be holy, God. We're not trying to be whole people, but we are whole in you. And we can walk in that. We are not incomplete, but we are complete. And because of that, God, that gives us the freedom and the strength to live this life out. We're not trying to be anything, God, but we are who you've made us to be. We trust in you. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen.